We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. Now, I want to make sure I get this right because as everybody knows in the show, whenever we have a guest on, I mess everyone's name up, no matter how much they've coached me. So, Wesley, can you give us your full name? He's from Chiefs Wire. Our guest tonight talk, talk to us about the trade. Yeah, it's pronounced Roche. Wesley Roche, uh, Chiefs Wire. Rough day in the office here. Okay. <laughs> so, Wesley's with us from Chiefs Wire. We reached out to him. We wanted to get some information about Marcus Peters, about the deal, what's going on over there in Kansas City. Before we get into that, real quick, we just want to ask you, hey, go over to iTunes. 
give us that wonderful five-star review. We really appreciate that. Help us push uh, up the rankings. If you don't listen to us there, you can find us on SoundCloud, Android, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on Google Play. Okay, guys, let's get right to it. Wesley, what the heck happened with Marcus Peters? You know, I mean, as your guess is almost as good as mine. I mean, so you know, the rumors the rumors came out a couple weeks ago that you know people were spitballing that Peters could be traded. And a lot of us didn't believe it. I mean, a lot of us in the media just thought it was, you know, something that kind of got overblown, something that kind of got thrown around a little bit. But it just it seemed illogical to trade an all-pro cornerback who, you know, has so many uh, turnover, forced turnovers over the last three years. But uh, it indeed happened, and uh, Kansas City's kind of swept off their feet by it, and not necessarily in a good way. What do you mean by not in a good way? I'm seeing all kinds of weird stuff all over Twitter. What's the general consensus is is that I mean a lot of people are are really confused by it and they kind of want answers and it's I I see a lot of people get frustrated by it but you know there are a lot more people who aren't quite frustrated by it because they don't know the compensation yet. I mean there's been no like hardly any talk of um, like what the Chiefs are actually getting for the trade and so that makes it kind of hard to gauge whether it's you know, a, a good trade for the Chiefs or an okay trade for the Chiefs or just, you know, comp- they could have completely got fleeced. I don't know. We we, uh, we don't know until the details get released. Yeah, it's kind of unusual that they haven't announced that. Yeah. Uh, we've been waiting ourselves and kind of speculating ourselves. We have heard that, and it's, again, speculation, that there is no number one from this year. So I'm not sure what that's going to do. Yeah, I've seen that uh, from Ian Rappaport and Schefter and then Trez Paler here at the Kansas City Star. He's talked about how he doesn't think that um, a first round will be involved. So my guess is is that instead of getting a first round pick, the Chiefs are going to get um, like a, a package of picks that is going to be like, I don't know, probably maybe a third or a couple thirds and then something like a fourth and a couple sixths or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say for sure, but I mean – um, the more picks the, the Chiefs have, the more they can just trade up and get guys. They show, you know, they uh, they traded up a lot last year in the draft. Obviously, that was under different management with John Dorsey, but I mean, it still remains the same that Brett Veach, uh, the Chiefs' new general manager, he's very aggressive with trades. So it wouldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it wouldn't surprise me if he went out and tried to get as many picks as possible to use those, either to like build the depth on the defense or just to be able to move up in the draft and kind of get the guys that the Chiefs want. Now, you mentioned thirds, fourths, sixes. Everything that we've heard about him and everything we've seen on film is this is clearly a first-round talent. He's yeah. better than any quarterback in there to find the draft. Why not second-round picks, first-round picks for, for Marcus Peters? I mean, I, I mean, I actually, I, I'm kind of wondering the same thing. I'm just going kind of based off what the what the reports are going on right now because honestly, I don't really think anybody knows what what is the compensation is. Everybody's just kind of spitballing, and the reason I think that is because everybody's been, been speculating, including Adam Schefter, including Ian Rappaport. Those guys have been just kind of you know, kind of hinting, oh, I don't know if first would really be involved, but they haven't really come out and said it as fact, hey, a first is not involved. So there's definitely a possibility that there could be a pick involved. It's just, you know, we're, everybody's just kind of in the dark right now. I think, yeah, the words that Ian Rappaport used was that 
the Rams sent the Chiefs a package of picks not believed, yeah. quote-unquote, not believed to include a first-rounder. Yeah. yeah. Well, they also mentioned that Robert Quinn was part of the app, but from what we understand, that's not going to happen either. Yeah, that was definitely another thing. It doesn't surprise me that the Chiefs would want to try to go after Robert Quinn because they have a lot of issues at rusher right now with D Ford's injuries going on, and then obviously Tamba is probably going to get released, and Frank Zombo is not is not exactly a pass rusher, more more of kind of like a run stopping outside linebacker. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they wanted to go after somebody like Robert Quinn, and I mean. I guess they said that Robert Quinn isn't involved. I don't know. Should we rule it out? It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. I would be surprised considering the pass rushers that are available in the draft. It's not a deep draft. It's not a deep free agent pool for the Rams to get to to get a, a pass rusher to replace losing Robert Quinn. So yeah. I have my doubts. It wouldn't surprise me if Robert Quinn were somehow being involved. I think that would have been leaked along with the whole trade being leaked as well. I, I don't see that really as being the case where he's going to be going, going bye-bye. So that brings the question, why on earth would they let this guy go? I mean, uh, that, uh, that's a good question. I mean, there, there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of rumors floating around. Some people think that um, they were still upset about, this, you know, kind of the on-field altercations that he had last season. Some people think that maybe he actually requested the trade. Um, there's... There's kind of like the draft picks. There's been a lot of rumors, but nothing concrete. The the thing that has the most traction for me is that um, Therese Taylor of KC Star, he said that um, it's pretty much about the money. Uh, they were going to have to pay Peters upwards of 16, 18, 20 million a year whenever his contract comes up in 2020, which, you know, people think, okay, well, why don't they just cross that bridge when they get there? Because, um, you know, I mean, he's still on his rookie deal for two more years, and that's definitely a valid point. But at the same time, uh, Therese kind of speculated that um, he kind of speculated that maybe he, uh, Marcus Peters, wouldn't be happy in KC, or maybe he would hold out, or maybe if he had any more on-field altercations, that his trade value would go down. Um, I don't know. It just seems like maybe they thought that this year was the time to pull the trigger instead of waiting a couple of years and, uh, you know, seeing if any drama comes out instead of just pretty much avoiding all that and getting it out of the way now. I mean, his trade value is probably the best that it is right now. I mean, with two years left on his rookie deal. So, Well, how much in terms of his behavior, the, the, cho- the choice to protest? I know there were various people I saw on Twitter, especially social media, complaining that he was protesting. We have some fans on our Facebook page and our Twitter complaining about his decision to protest. Then, of course, the penalty flag situation with the, with the Jets and other rumored issues in the locker room with coaches. Is it really as bad as it's being portrayed on social media, or what's the real deal here? I think it's a bit overblown. You know, I don't think that the – I mean, Clark Hunt has come out and said Chief, – Chief owner Clark Hunt has come out and said that he prefers people to stand for the national anthem, but – him or Coach Andy Reid haven't seemed to make that big of a deal about it. They don't seem to really care too much that he's doing that. So, um, maybe I mean, maybe some, something on the inside they could, you know, maybe they could feel differently. But it doesn't seem like that is as big of a deal. And as far as the on-field goes, um, it was kind of an issue last season. You know, he he uh, he got in some trouble and he uh, he was flagged a lot and he was, you know, jawing with refs and stuff and constantly getting penalized and 
you know, culminated when he threw the flag into the stands out of frustration and then he got suspended. But after the suspension, I mean, he, there was no issues with him on the field. Um, I mean, he came back and he balled out, you know, he forced four turnovers in two games. He played, he played his best, he played his best football of the season last season after his suspension. So, um, that, that was part of the reason why I didn't think that it was going to be a logical trade because, well, I mean, if, if he's, if he's, you know, turned a corner, so to speak, I don't know, but whatever term you prefer to use, then why are they still getting rid of him? I don't know. It's still kind of a, still kind of a weird situation going on. I mean, you don't really think that that's why they traded him, the issues they were having in that respect. You think it has more to do with picks and less to do with trouble. I mean, there, it was, uh... I, I think the trouble definitely, definitely has, um, some merit, like, to the reason why they would have shipped him. I just, I, to me, I thought that the, the issues were overblown, at least on the field. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, he could be having issues with coaches and stuff like that that we don't know about that could be kind of blowing this up a little bit more. And we may never know, truly, I mean, really what's kind of going on behind the scenes. Well, I, I had seen that it had been reported that uh, he had requested a trade after the loss against Tennessee. Yes, uh, yeah, from... For me, I saw that from uh, Seth Kaiser here. He, he writes for Arrowhead Pride, and he's he said that um, he had a source that told him that. And uh, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of people. I, I don't know how trustworthy his particular sources are. Um, I know that Seth's a good guy and he's a great writer, but um, so it, you know, it's kind of hard to say. I I probably wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if if Marcus Peters was the one who requested it, because I mean, he did seem very frustrated last season. And, you know, the suspension may have rubbed him the wrong way, who knows, or maybe just getting bounced out of the playoffs another another season rubbed him the wrong way. Maybe he wanted to get out and kind of have a new change of pace. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't shock me too much. So what can you tell us about him as a player? As a player, oh, Marcus Peters is, I mean, he's the, he's the best that, he's the best you can get. I mean... You know, I'm I'm not like super familiar with the type of defense that they run they run in LA um, versus the one in Kansas City, but I know in Kansas City it was always Marcus Peters sticking to his one side of the field, and that side of the field routinely would be shut down whenever you know Marcus Peters is on. I mean, there there were games um, there were games where you know quarterbacks would hardly even look at, to his side of the field because I mean there's there's the worry that Marcus Peters is always going to be, uh, is always going to get the ball in his hands. And, uh, he has such good instincts with his, uh, be able to track the ball. And sometimes he'll literally just break his route, break his coverage in order to go after a ball that's, you know, being thrown, not even near his vicinity, but he, he sees that where the quarterback uh, is going to throw and he can go after it and, uh, he can get there really quick. I mean, he can hang with the best of them. And um, there are there have only been a few games where he's really struggled, and usually games that Marcus Peters struggles on the field, he turns it around pretty quickly. Even if it's, I mean, I mean as quick as maybe that game. You know, if he has a bad first half, he's going to turn around and have a good second half, and or he's going to turn around and have a great great uh, week the next week. I mean, he's a he's an ultra competitor, and he's one of the most impressive cornerbacks I've I've uh, had the pleasure of watching you know just as a Chiefs fan and just as a football fan in general well we primarily play a lot of man we do go into some zone but a lot of man coverage a lot of press coverage so you think he'll yeah. fit well with that yeah yeah I mean I definitely I mean 
Peters, um, you know, he plays he plays a lot of zone, but he can definitely hang man to man. And um, the I, as far as Casey goes, uh, Bob Sutton kind of gave uh, Marcus Peters a lot of freedom to kind of figure out what he wants to do. So you'll see Marcus Peters a lot. Sometimes right before the snap, he'll back up about five or ten feet if he sees that you know if he sees something that. Um, uh, you know, otherwise maybe another cornerback would not see. I don't know. Or uh, he, he's he's not always just going to stay to his particular his particular area if he sees something that you know a tendency or something like that. And so, um, and then another part of his game that I forgot to mention was um, he's gotten really good at forcing fumbles. Um, a lot of people criticized him for his tackling last season, but really his tackling is actually pretty good. Um, it's just the problem is, is he sometimes will sacrifice tackling to go for the football. And, um, you know, there, there were times where he would, you know, go ahead and make the tackle if it's like a third and one situation. He had, a, he actually made a few like key stops at the end of the year last year, um, that were in like third and one situations. But I mean, if it's first and 10, the running backs running the ball and, you know, he's already got the first down and Peters is approaching, then a lot of the times he's just going to go ahead and go after the ball. I'm really confused. You said folks complain about tackling. He only missed one tackle last year. Yeah, no, exactly. They they were complaining about his tendency to go after the ball instead of tackle, basically, or, or you know what I mean, like instead of just like okay. going straight after going straight after the player, he would stay standing up and just go after the ball. And sometimes they'd give up a few yards because of it. But I mean, he also forced four fumbles last season. So yeah, we'll take that. I don't think you're going to see anybody out of LA complaining about. Him going for the occasional turnover. We love getting turnovers. We got yeah. streak and, during the year with that. Yeah, and, and to me, and I, I'd say a lot of people share the same sentiment, is that to me, giving up a few yards here and there is worth his ability to, you know, go after and get the football. There were some times where, you know, maybe he, he, would, uh, he could show a little bit more effort on the tackles, but that was kind of more in the earlier of the season, mid-season, but I saw a lot more ferocity with him later on in the season, tackling whenever he actually needed to make the tackle. We've got, you know, our new head coach, Sean McVay, and we've got, uh, you know, old Wade Phillips out there. And, and, you know, Derek and I spoke about this in an earlier podcast where, you know, if the, if the issues are on the field, I, I really can't see him causing problems with Wade Phillips. I mean, Wade Phillips seems to be, you know, one of the top defensive coordinators out there and the players seem to really respect him. And, and then the Rams have changed the culture around to the we, not me attitude. And, you know, do you think that's going to affect um, Peters when he comes here? Do you think he's going to fit into that? Or do you think he's going to, you know, with what you've seen in the past, kind of go the other way? You know, I, I mean, I, there are definitely times where Peters, you know, he would, um, have a few outbursts and, you know, maybe maybe let, let some aspects of the game get into his head a little bit, which caused him to, you know, lose his cool. But, I mean, Marcus Peters is a competitor first, so he is going to go to the Rams and he is going to want to do his best and he's going to want to win games. And I think I think Wade Phillips will be a good, um, will be a good uh, coach for him. And I think that the Rams organization will be a good place for him to fit in. And I... I Honestly, I, I I've always I've always kind of had the impression that the Peters with problems were a little bit overblown, at least from the ones we we would see on screen. But so 
I, I think Rams fans are going to be happy with him with him there in LA. Now, I mean, as far as you know, how he'll react to the coaching, I don't know. But I, I mean, I, Wade Phillips is definitely a respectable coach, like you said, and so it seems like that it might be a good fit for him, and you know, Wade might be able to help him kind of kind of guide him a little bit and stuff like that. Now, we actually had a question from you from one of our fans. Cool. Before you from one of our fans. A great show on surf actually wanted to know from you, would you say the, the Chiefs are in rebuilding mode now? They've gotten rid of Smith and Peters. They, they still have their, their franchise quarterback, running back and tight end, but outside that, they are aging or weak in some areas. How do you expect the Chiefs to perform without Peters? Cool. Um, well, the first part of I think the Chiefs are rebuilding – I don't necessarily think they're rebuilding. Um, they might be trying to reload a little bit. Um, I know that that's kind of the same thing. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're not going into the expectation that Patrick Mahomes is going to be good enough to get them six wins. I mean, you know, they traded Ali Smith, and that means that they believe that Patrick Mahomes can be just as good, if not better, than Smith, or else Andy Reid would have went ahead and went with Smith this year if that was the case. So I think that they do believe that they can win. They can win with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I do think they are rebuilding a little bit on defense or reloading, like I said, because you know Derek Johnson's going is leaving a free agency. Um, they're probably going to cut Tom Bahali. There might be some other guys that they cut ties with. Who knows? We'll see how well how it uh, shakes out here in the next few weeks. Um, but I do think that they. I mean, I do think that um, they could go after some. You know, one or two decently named free agents uh, in free agency, and then kind of go defense heavy in the draft and add a lot of like add a lot of pieces that you know in the early rounds, like second or third, they might try to go after some guys who could potentially come in and contribute right away, and then add some depth guys at the end of the draft. And I uh, I think that they I mean I so that's why I don't really consider it a rebuild. I think that they just want to reload and get some more youth on the roster, but at the same time, you know, they've showed a, they've been aggressive by going after guys like Kendall Fuller and going after uh, David Amerson and signing these guys. So I think that they still think that they can put together a, you know, winning club on the field. They just, you know, there's a lot of transitioning and a lot of changing that's going to be happening. So, I mean, yeah, the chiefs could, you know, take a couple, take a couple games, take a step back this year. And then 2019 is when they start to come back around, you know, with some pieces developed. But I don't think that we're going to see like a full rebuild to where it's like four to five years before the Chiefs, you know, you know, become Super Bowl contenders. I don't think it's that kind of thing. And then, um, oh, the second part of that question was how I think the defense is going to be with uh, without Marcus Peters. Um, it really depends on who they go after in free agency. I'd like to see them go after a big name corner to replace Peters, somebody like Kyle Fuller or something like that. You know, the Chiefs got his brother Kendra Fuller, so it would make sense to kind of lure him along. Um, if not, I would like to see them, like I said, go defensive heavy in the draft, get like a corner defensive tackle, edge rusher early in those early rounds, and get some guys who can just contribute right away. So um, I think that the defense could be. Could be better. It's just it's not going to be the defense that Chiefs fans were used to in 2014, 15, and 16. You know, it's going to be a lot of more. There's going to be a little bit of growing pains on the defensive side of the ball. Well, there is a guy out there named Tremaine Johnson. You guys can have for about 14, <laughs> 15 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I see them signing somebody that big of a contract, or because if they were, then why not just keep Marcus Peters? I don't know. Right. 
I thought I was joking, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I get you though. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. But all right, one more thing for you, then we'll let you go. I, I have to ask it because this has been all over Twitter, especially in the last forty-eight hours. What do you say to your fellow Chiefs compatriots who have been suggesting that the returns on Mr. Peters is Aaron Donald? <laughs> well, well, Aaron Donald was just at the 101 Awards here in Kansas City uh, just on Saturday, and he was talking about the Marcus Peters trade, and um, he wasn't able to talk too much about it, but he, he did seem pretty excited, and so I, I don't... I, I don't really think that Aaron Donald's going to be a part of it. I think the Chiefs Chiefs fans should give up that dream. Um, if it was Aaron Donald, yeah, I'd take I'd take Donald straight up um, without any other picks because defensive tackle is a huge need for the team right now. So that would be awesome. But I think that it's, uh, it's a little bit of a pipe dream right now. <laughs> well, you use the proper word when you said pipe. You add the you know, the crack pipe to it, you know. Yeah, that's I honestly uh, we were stunned seeing the, the comparisons. I don't see how anybody could even go there and suggest that the Rams would trade Aaron Donald I, to the Chiefs straight up for for Marcus Peters. No, maybe three, maybe maybe give us three first round picks and see, <laughs> we'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there was a if there was a couple extra picks involved, I can maybe see it. But um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Seems like a long shot. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, again, let folks know, Wesley, where they can reach you, where they can find you. I guess we'll probably, you know, hey, the Rams are playing the Chiefs this year. We'll probably have to have you back on the show to preview the Chiefs game. For sure. Definitely. In Mexico, right? Aren't we playing them in Mexico? We are. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Have, to, we'll have to do that episode in Spanish then. Oh. <laughs> or are you going to Mexico, Wesley? Uh, I doubt it. Very much doubt it. We're, we're trying to convince Norm to go. <laughs> It would be it would be a fun trip for sure. I uh, I would definitely ponder it, but you know, money's tight these days. Yeah, my <laughs> reporting might my reporting might be really bad after too many cervezas. So yeah, that's true. Same. <laughs> nah, I want to hear the excuses. You got to be a champion and go through all that. Maybe <laughs> champion. All right, Wesley, tell everybody where they can reach you, where they can find you, especially for more questions on the Peters trade. Cool. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, just uh. I'll always check out uh, the site chiefswire.com. Um, we have a lot of good stuff, and then there's, and then if anybody needs to reach out for me for questions, um, our Twitter handle is at the chiefswire, and then my personal Twitter handle is at Wesley Roche. Uh, Roche is spelled R-O-E-S-C-H. Kind of a weird last name, but you know. All right, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you taking your time to just give us your input on the on the Chiefs trade. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks Take a lot. You know. Thank you. All right, Norm. So you you heard Wesley's uh, perspective on all this, and and we we now know that the the, the <laughs> we don't know we don't know anything really because we don't know what the Rams are giving up. Where now do well what a when do you think we're going to get some kind of idea on what the Rams gave up? I mean, it's just, let me just start there. Well, I mean, well you have to have contracts done by the fourteenth, right? Yeah, March fourteenth. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll hear before then, but. They they may be holding it back until then just to kind of um, just to kind of keep it under the uh, you know so that nobody else knows they might they might not want to give up too much information yet but uh, I, I would imagine we'll hear in the next week. Well, the weird thing was Benjamin Albright had reported the Rams actually requested that this trade be kept on the DL in terms of the compensation. They didn't want other teams 
to come in there and swoop them. I don't understand that logic in terms of what it's reporting because once you agree, you agree. You know, you would look like a really horrible organization if you would back out of a trade you agreed to. So I'm wondering, is there a real story to it? Or are we going too far into soap opera world? Because that reasoning to me doesn't make sense at all. Well, I mean, honestly, has anything been absolutely confirmed? Other than the fact that the trade's happening? Yes. Compensation? No. Right, and they can't do a contract until, you know, the 14th. So there's no sense in really giving up any of that information until then, um, other than to appease the fans. Most of them will leave in the contract unless, unless the player's moving, right? Well, the trade can't be signed and finalized until yeah. the 14th. And so there's no reason to really give any of that information until then if they don't want to. Uh, and they, they might want to hold it back to not let other teams have a blueprint for getting their corners. You know, there's, there's lots of reasons that it could be. I'm not going to speculate too much. But uh, it is promising to hear from what Wesley said that, you know, he thinks some of the off-the-field issues were a little overblown. So that makes me feel better. And uh, you know, I'm really happy with what we're getting. So, you know, where do we go from here? Yeah, where do you go from here? I think now we have to talk about what holes are filled. Now that you have your number one corner, a shutdown corner, where you go in the draft, we're assuming for the time being that it's a first-round pick the Rams are keeping, so we know they'll have a first. We don't know if they'll have a third-rounder. We don't know what <laughs> what they'll have after that. So the focus, I guess, becomes for right now, until we know more, what the heck do the Rams do with that first-round pick? Where do they go? Do they go ahead and get that second corner? Do they get best player available? Do they look for Billy Price's center to try and, and re- find a replacement for John Sullivan? Do they go off the grid like they've done before? The question, I don't know, I feel almost, almost, not quite, almost as lost as he would before this trade in terms of figuring out, figuring out what the Rams are going to do. I don't think it's really changed anything. I think it does make the option of Via Via available at that time more plausible if he is. I still think that they honestly should look at getting a corner at number one, you know, with their number one pick if they can. Uh, you bring in a, a, a top draft pick that can learn from somebody like Peters, and uh, that could be a great thing. And, you know, or it could be best player available or the center. It could be anything, but I don't, I mean, I don't really think it changes what we've talked about in the past too much because we considered if we re-signed Tremaine Johnson, we still needed help. Yeah. So it really doesn't change much at all. In my opinion, I still think they may go corner with their first pick, and that'd be great. Have a have a new corner come in that can be really good and learn under under Peters. That could that could be real promising. Okay, I have a couple more questions to ask you before we do. We'll give a shout to our sponsors out there: the Golden Ram Barbershop at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California nine two six eight three. Give Sal Martinez a phone call. 714-894-7267. That's 714-894-7267. He does appointment only because the guy will talk your ears off and you'll wind up waiting too long. So he 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 makes sure he gives you your dedicated time to get a haircut with him. The reason why we send you there, it's a great place to get a haircut. Period. It is a true barbershop experience. You can go in his store, you see everything Rams, pictures, photos, jerseys. 
plaques, you name it, it's all Rams, it's all history, it's a great place to talk Rams stuff, and it's a great place to really engage the old school barbershop experience. Give them a call, 714-894-7267, open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and on Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., by appointment. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Again, one more time, use the promo code RAMSTALK. And if you want to help us grow, we would really appreciate it. If you want to sponsor us, email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. You can, oh, hey, you can also use our voicemail line. We're at 657-666-5453. Let us know if you're interested. We'll talk. We promise you that we'd be great partners to help grow. So, Norm, we mentioned this draft pick can go everywhere. We mentioned that you know it, even it can go back to man cornerback. What do the Rams do now in other positions? Now you've addressed the cornerback position. You have nose tackle that's still open. Some concerns at linebacker. Some concerns possibly on getting that offensive line a little bit younger with John Sullivan being a free agent again. If you're the general manager, where do you go? Well, they've got to get they've got to get Lamarcus Joyner and Aaron Donald done. Um, I mean, really, until they do that, they don't know what they have to work with. They have an idea. I honestly believe they're going to end up franchise tagging LaMarcus Joyner and trying to work a deal out with Sammy Watson. Uh, if we lose Sammy, it, it hurts us less than if we lose LaMarcus Joyner. So I really think that they've got to get Joyner buttoned up. They've got to get the Donald contract done. Uh, I would look at getting uh, an inside linebacker. I would look at getting a nose tackle. And I would look at getting offensive line. You know, besides the corners that we've, we've also discussed. So to me, the priorities are, you know, they're probably going to let Mark Barron go. Who do we bring in at inside linebacker? We definitely need somebody in the middle to plug it up. And so getting a, a nose tackle, a big bodied nose tackle run stopping, uh, would be, I, I would think a priority. Uh, replacing Sullivan for the future. If we don't resign him this year, that's going to be a priority. And, you know, like I argued with you about last time, Sammy Watkins would be great to have back, but I don't see him being as big a priority as LaMarcus Joyner. So I really think they've got to get at least Joyner signed or figured out what they're going to do with him. And they, they pretty much know where they're going to have to be with Aaron Donald. They may not want to have to go there, but they, I'm sure they probably know what they're going to have to pay for him. So I think if they get Joyner done, it gives them you know, kind of a direction of where they have to move forward with. A couple concerns there, too. One, just the thought of coming down between LaMarcus Joyner and Sammy Watkins. To me, the franchise money, the franchise tag money compared to what it's going to take to get him for a long-term deal, the money's close. So my thought process right now really is the only way the Rams actually franchise LaMarcus Joyner is if they just can't reach a deal. Right. And, and Which to me would be hard to do because the franchise money compared to the actual market, the dollars aren't far apart. I, I have to think they would find a way to get a deal done. That's why I'm thinking if they, they'll lean more towards Simi Watkins to make sure they lock him in. Or it's becoming at least somewhat clear to us now that they don't, that they don't plan on letting Robert Quinn go. That's less cap money leaving. So maybe they let Sammy walk and don't franchise him if they can't get a contract done. Yeah, that's possible, and it's still possible that they could let Quinn go. I don't, you know, they do play Kansas City, so they may not have wanted to 
make him part of that deal to not have to face him, but I don't really see that as being an issue. I, I have a feeling that they're probably going to work out a longer-term restructured contract with, with Robert Quinn and Keith Amaram. So if that's what happens, then he, he's not really something to worry about. It, the, right now it boils down to those three players. It boils down to, you know, what do they do with Joyner and what do they do with Watkins and, and what do they do with, uh, with Aaron Donald. You know, they got to get those three things figured out. Uh, once they get that figured out, then they know exactly what they have left and what they have to work with and, you know, kind of go from there. So, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a matter of days now. I mean, yeah. it's February 25th. We are getting closer and closer to free agency day. More and more trades are going to be made. And I think this is probably where we want to stop off. There are several more things to talk about, but because, A, we're still a little bit in the dark in terms of compensation. We might want to take the next time of our conversation and wait until our next podcast and get into a little more. I wanted to cut in and let you folks know that at the end of the podcast, we got the announcement of what the trade details were, and here they are. This is uh, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, NFL insider. The Rams will receive Peter's and a 2018 sixth-round pick in exchange for this year's fourth-round pick and the second-round pick from next year. Seems like peanuts to me, folks. Also, folks, we want to apologize. The, the podcast is split up tonight. We, we are in different locations. That's why Norm probably sounds a little weird to you, besides his normal weird, which is ah. normal. Okay. Um, so... We thank you for your patience. We're also thank you, thank you for listening in and engaging with us on this trade, especially to Wesley Roche over there at the amazingly wonderful done Chiefs Wire. Again, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Norm, any final thoughts today? I just feel a little bit better now after you know hearing what he had to say, and uh, I look forward to seeing Peters in a Rams uniform and shutting down uh, shutting down the number one receivers on the other team. And I feel similar. My final thoughts are this. I am not worried at all about the movement of Marcus Peters to the West Coast, to Los Angeles. I'm not worried about behavior. I'm not worried about on-field issues at all. And the reason why is this, yes, you have leadership in Kansas City. Yes, you have people who are, you know, outstanding at bringing people together. But there's only one way to Phillips. And on that same roster, you have Aaron Donald. You have Andrew Whitworth. You have... Alec Ogletree, you have really good men, good people who are all about the team and will not tolerate BS. And then you don't, and Wade Phillips will not tolerate BS. And it's clear now that Sean McVay will not tolerate BS. It is a true we, not me place. And so I just don't see any problems from Marcus Peters. All right. Yep, I agree. Right, closing up shop. We'll talk to you here in a couple days. Look for us again on iTunes, Stitcher. Android, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Did I miss any? Oh, and SoundCloud, of course. SoundCloud. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Have a good one. Adios. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. 
They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.